Welcome to episode 176 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Hey, welcome back to another episode. Um, I thought this week I would share some of the things that I have used ChatGPT for in the past couple of weeks because it's been a lifesaver. So I have, let's see, I have one student that I was helping him um, be able to advocate with his peers. He does really good with his teachers, telling him his teachers what he needs, but he can't do it with peers. So we were going through some of those and I realized that he was using very formal language. And I was trying to explain that to him. And he's like, what's the difference between formal and informal? And I was like, oh, I found something we need to work on. So instead of trying to come up with different examples of formal and informal, I went to chat GPT to see if they could find some for me. So, um, Mm -hmm. and they wrote a list of like, you know, how to having the students sort them and here's some examples of it. And just those things that are like, I know what I want to do, but I just don't have the time, the energy, the brain power to create the materials to do it. That's where I found it being really helpful. Um, I did another one with a student working on conjunctions and give me some sentences that they can combine with conjunctions. I had uh, two very, very different students that have been put in a group together. So I went to chat GPT and said, this is one student's goals. This is the other student's goals. What activity can I do that they will help both of them? And it came up with some too. And a lot of times I don't use exactly what it says to do. But it, and you still have like, you know, I'm not being a robot and just reading exactly what chat GPT tells me to do, but I'm right. using that as a jumping off point And it just has really helped me not feel that like overwhelm. And I know what I want to do. I just don't ha- know how to do it. So it's been really helpful for all of that. I, I, I have to admit, I love chat GPT. I, oh, I, I really, <laughs> really do. And it has saved me so much time like planning lectures. I mean, even today I used it because I'm doing a little lecture tomorrow with my grad students on motivational interviewing and oh, using yeah. MUI to, to get information and to help, but also beyond just getting information, but to help someone who's maybe reluctant to follow through on what you're recommending as a clinician, you're recommending mm-hmm. to the client and they're not wanting to do whatever. And how you can use some of these strategies of reflecting back and recasting what the person's saying and try to help them along so that they will be more compliant with what you're, what you're recommending. So I asked ChatGPT to, to generate um, 20 different case studies, many case studies uh, where we could use or apply motivational interviewing. Mm-hmm. And it spit out 20 different cases within speech language pathology from, you know, a parent who doesn't want to do this for their child for whatever reason to an adult who uh, is apprehensive about following through because they're afraid of whatever, you know, but 20 different scenarios that I'm going to use in class. how long that would have taken us to think of by ourselves, you know? With my brain, it would have taken like three days to, you know, get to 20. Um, so it had, and it within 
two minutes, I had 20 different little scenarios right. that I can use in class tomorrow yeah, and ask yeah. them, you know, what could you do? You know, mm-hmm. so it's it has saved me so much time. I I just right now, you know, I, I love it, you know. So. Yeah, me too. Well, on the show today, we have Kevin Diaz from Ambiki. And he's going to come on and talk to us about the company and what they're doing and how they are supporting people in private practice or who want to do telepractice. This episode is brought to you by TheraPlatform. If you're a therapist in private practice looking to spend more time with clients and less time on admin tasks, it may be time to consider automation software. Thera Platform is an all-in-one EHR, practice management, and teletherapy software built specifically for therapists, and it's designed to automate day-to-day tasks. Thera Platform offers a free 30-day trial with no credit card required. Visit theraplatform.com today. Well, Kevin, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Can you give us more uh, information about your background? Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Todd, for having me. Excited to be here. I think my path leading to where I am today in the speech language pathology industry has been a somewhat unconventional one. I began my professional life in investment banking uh, back around the time of the the 2008 economic crash, like right before that. Um, I found out pretty quickly that wasn't my true calling. But the part that I did enjoy about that job was my second year there, I was training a lot of the new analysts. So I really liked that teaching and that training aspect of it. Uh, So I kind of changed gears. Uh, I moved to Japan uh, to teach English as a second language. Um, Wow. First with adults and then later with like really young kids, like um, two, three-year-olds. Wow. Wow. And that is also kind of when I got my first taste of software, because at that first school, uh, they were using Lotus Notes. I don't know if you've ever remembered that. Uh, And it was all in Japanese. So there had been students who had been at this school for 10 plus years. And, you know, they had gone through different native English teachers. And I wanted to know, like, you know, what textbooks they'd worked on, you know, what were their goals? But like every time a new teacher would come, it was like starting from scratch, like because we had we couldn't get into this database to see their progress and their history. Uh, So that was what kind of got me into software. I started developing uh, on my own time uh, a system that would work in English and Japanese to track the, the progress and to be able to record their history and their goals and why they were studying English. Um. And eventually, uh, that got me into web programming and building web applications, which eventually got me a job in the translation industry. (laughs) Um, And then eventually, five years later, uh, I ended up at a speech therapy company. Um, So this was in Tennessee. Uh, So this company was Curly Communications at the time, and the owner was retiring, and there was new management coming in. And they were looking to grow this practice. And at the time, that practice was doing a lot of things in Excel, plus also mm-hmm. using a kind of 
off-the-shelf EMR, um, but right. there was a lot of inefficiency there. So that the owners knew of my my background in kind of building web applications and things like that. So came in and started trying to see if we could make things a little bit easier on the therapists. Um, and three years later, we looked up and we had this full-fledged EMR that was this practice had now grown from 60 therapists to you know, almost 150. Um, wow. Well, you know, this is working really well for this practice. You know, I'm, I'm sure other practices could make use of this. And mm -hmm. that was kind of the beginning of Ambiki when we took the tech team that was working at the Psychic Therapy Partners and we spun it out into its own company. And that's in January 2022 when we, you know, officially started Ambiki. So I have to ask, you went from being this corporate finance guy to teaching in Japan and then to <laughs> programming software and web applications how how do you do that <laughs> <laughs> i mean how do you did you just uh take some coding classes or how did that sort of evolve uh the programming side was all self-taught it was just always building something to scratch my own itch like i wanted to i had an idea in my mind and then mm -hmm. like by building that like that's how I figured things out and that's how I learned things and just kind of developed from there I was just always building stuff but even yeah when I was at the investment bank I've always kind of had like the logical mathematical side of mm -hmm. was always kind of my stronger thing back in school so uh, that was always just an interest in something that clicked naturally for me um, but yeah then just being able to see that I could like build something and it would be useful or I could right. do it on my own was always was an exciting feeling. Um, so I, I enjoyed that part of it. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times we have like, I don't know, a disconnect between a speech language pathologist who know what we want and like what would be helpful for us in a software or an EMR and then being able to find someone who can do that, but also speak our language and what we need. And I think how you talked about having somewhat of an education background in like, at least being, you know, teaching people English and knowing things like goals and tracking and all of that, that that was kind of a good marriage of those two things. Yeah, definitely. I think there were a lot of similarities between Kind of, I mean, obviously it's different, but like what a speech language pathologist does and what like an English as a second language mm -hmm. teacher does, yeah. like, especially for kids, like even now, like Ambiki is really focused on pediatrics. So, you know, the time that I was teaching those two to three year olds about articulation right. and pronunciation, there was a lot yeah. of like a lot of that kind of carried over to things that we've done on Ambiki. Um, so it's fun to see those connections. So what have you found are your kind of unique things that you guys have built because you had that input of a therapist the whole time? Um, as far as teletherapy or just uh, Ambiki in general? Either, both. <laughs> so one example that comes to mind, um, so we have a feature in our teletherapy platform called Chat Correct. Um, and this basically, what it does is it will colorfully annotate any 
mistakes or errors that were in a sentence. So if like you had, let's say you had a, a middle schooler who's working on language and they type something to you in the chat and then you type in the correct sentence, it's going to show the difference and it's going to highlight like maybe there is a omitted word or they were missing punctuation. Uh, so that actually came from when I was teaching adults over Skype. I had this <laughs> one student that no matter how many times I corrected him verbally, uh, he would always, even after repeating back, he would omit the same word, but he was thinking that he was saying it. Mm. So I, I would really wanted a way to visually show him like, no, you forgot the, or you forgot. Uh. Right. Um, so that was where that feature first came from. I, I built this kind of just one-off app to like really visually show like, Hey, you omitted this word here. And, and by seeing that, um, it was able to kind of click for him versus just whenever I was verbally correcting him, he was thinking that he was just repeating exactly what I was saying, but he was still omitting those things. So, you know, that's an example of like one that has, you know, crept its way into Ambiki and, you know, speech pathologists have found that helpful. That's, that's really cool. And so I was wondering if back up just for a moment, because I think there may be some confusion about sidekick versus Ambiki. Could could you elaborate a little bit more on how they're the same or different? Sure. And how that uh, evolved. So they're different now. Um, at first, uh, you know, we I was working at Sidekick and we were building a proprietary EMR for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we built that for them. But after kind of three years, it didn't make sense any longer to have this, which had grown into a larger tech team uh, at uh, a private practice. So we decided to to spin that out into its own company. And Vicky, like we still maintain a really good relationship with Sidekick. They're still our client. Um, um, so we're kind of like sister companies in that respect, sure. a very close relationship. But yeah, and Vicky is its its own thing now, completely separate company. Um, and that way we can deliver this software to practices throughout the United States. So let's let's sort of dive or go a little bit deeper with that. So with the Ambiki model, um, a a practice or a a someone in private practice uh, or a center would, is this get a subscription to Ambiki or how does that work? Yeah. So first and foremost, I would describe Ambiki as an EMR tool. And I think our target niches SLP OTPT. So that's definitely sure. one way that we uh, differentiate ourselves is that we are really hyper-focused on that, like no mental health, none of that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so it's subscription-based, uh, but we also have like our teletherapy products and we also have our therapy tools. So a resource library of, you know, things that you would use in the session wordless games all of that um so yeah it's subscription based so as an organization you could sign up have all of your therapists using that as their emr uh, and you also have the option of having that teletherapy platform or having the resource library and therapy tools 
So it's kind of a pick and choose whichever one of the products work for that organization. Yeah. And many of our clients are kind of using all of them and benefiting from it all kind of interacting seamlessly together. So there's sort of different levels or packages you could subscribe to. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So how is the company going right now in terms of uh, your your scope? And, and if you don't mind how many clinicians you're working with or ballpark figures and what you guys are hoping to do going forward? Yeah, uh, great question. So when we launched back in January 2022, we didn't have the EMR ready at that time. So we kind of launched with just the, the teletherapy platform and the therapy tools. And then in January of this year, we launched the, the EMR. So it's been live for about a half a year. Um, things have been really picking up lately over the past couple months. We've been adding a, a lot of organizations, um, everyone, everywhere from kind of solo practices up to, you know, 40, 50 person, uh, ther- 40, 50 therapists um, in their clinic. Um, so right now we're we're really gearing up for the ASHA convention in Boston. Mm-hmm. We're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're really excited about that. Um, and the latter half of this year, our roadmap is really focused around the practice management tools that a larger practice really needs to manage everything from payroll to reporting dashboards to business intelligence, those sorts of things. So I think the first half of the year, we had a strong focus on the clinical side, um, the documentation. Uh, we created a kind of first of its kind tool called Tenalog, where the therapist can record the audio of their session and it will create a full transcript and also oh, wow. like help them write the visit note from that transcript, kind of art- nice. automatically start the visit note for them. Uh, so the first half, I think we did a, a really good job. First half of the year, did a good job of getting all of the, the clinical side and making the therapist's life really easy, like those features set. So now our roadmap, our focus is really on the, the owner side, the practice management side, um, especially for those larger practices, making it easier for them to run their practice efficiently, keep their therapists happy. Because, you know, one thing that we've seen, especially for practices that get to that size, one of the biggest problems they struggle with is recruiting and retaining therapists. Mm-hmm. Yep. And in my opinion, I think a big part of that, especially retaining them, is making their life easier. So taking <laughs> away a lot of that, yep. that busy work, that documentation, that indirect time where they're yep. you know, feeling burnt out and they're stressed at night because they have to now write, you know, 10 visit notes. If we can make their lives easier, you know, that benefits the practice because then they have happy therapists that want to stick around and want to tell their friends like, Hey, this is a great place to work. Yeah. I, um, timed myself the other day and on top of writing my soap notes, it took me an hour to copy and paste them into my school's Medicaid billing program. (laughs) So anything that was saying that it was going to make my life and writing soap notes easier on me, I would be there in a second <laughs> at this point. 
Yeah. And so, yeah. Got to get that work-life balance and yep. whatever can make it easier, right? Definitely. And so, Kevin, you guys are, and so you're nationally focused, right? You're you're working with people all over the country. Yep. Um, so we have practices everywhere from Washington State to East Coast. Um, so t- tell us more about what the um, telepractice platform looks like, too. Sure. Um, so teletherapy, um, maybe I can give you guys the story of how that all got started. Yes. Um, that actually got started at the, the start of the pandemic. Um, so this was when I was still at Sidekick Therapy Partners. Um, it was... You know, I want to say like February 2020. Um, so I live in Japan. I work remotely. Um, and I don't know if you recall, but like the Diamond Princess cruise line, that was kind of like one of the first like big kind of COVID cases things in the news. And that mm-hmm. was like really in the news in Japan because it was it was quarantined at the harbor in Japan. And so it was on my mind. I was like, we should start working on teletherapy because like there's a there's a chance we're gonna need it. Um so it was kind of a skunk works project. I, I just started <laughs> building this. Um and then things progressed and then like end of February uh, I kind of reached out to the the leaders at Sidekick and like, hey, I've been working on teletherapy. Um and this like schools closed in Japan. So I was like, schools just closed in Japan today. I'm worried that, you know, schools might close in the U.S. And at first, they kind of laughed me off. They're like, right. Yeah. We're going to close in the U.S. That's <laughs> never going to happen. <laughs> I was like, all right, but like, just like, let my team work on this, like, just in case as a backup plan. Um, so by beginning of March, like, we had it ready. We did our first session. And then sure enough, like, March 12th. Like the mm-hmm. same day my son was born, like schools in Tennessee closed. So it was like, right. Yeah, all right. We got to. So we hit the ground running. Like we had the platform ready for them to use. But I mean, interestingly, at that time, no one at Psychic wanted to do teletherapy. <laughs> and they were mm-hmm. like, strongly convinced, like, it's not going to work. It's not going to work for my patients. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we ended up doing this like coffee with Kevin every day where <laughs> like started the day we would get on Zoom and I'd be like, how did your sessions go yesterday? Like, what do you need? And then I would kind of build it that day. And then the next day I was like, how was it? Like, what else do you guys need? And we did that like literally every day for the first three weeks or so. And then, you know, therapists were starting to get used to it. And they're like, well, it does kind of work for like this type of patient that I have. And um, and so we started to add different features. So kind of getting back to your original question of like, what is the unique points of our teletherapy platform? So we have a few features that I think are pretty unique. So we have the the chat correct one that I talked about. Uh, We have something called click beacon. So this is where uh, the patients, if they click on the screen when you're you're screen sharing or you're whiteboarding, or if they touch, if they're on a phone, it will show like a 
kind of radar like thing of like this is where they touched um oh interesting so this was our way to kind of we were at the time we've always been really conservative when it comes to hipaa compliance and i think hipaa compliance is not always black and white there's definitely mm-hmm. some gray areas so at the time i was personally concerned about remote access mm-hmm. um I'm doing teletherapy, a lot of therapists allow remote access to their computer, and then the client is on their computer, like, clicking something. I had some personal concerns with that because, like, what if the therapist has PHI on something on their desktop and patient goes and opens it or clicks it? Like, you can't control that. Once you give remote access to your computer, like, they're in Mm -hmm. there. So I wanted a way that we could keep that interaction where the the therapist could see you know where the the client is clicking but without giving them that remote access so that was that was what the thought process behind the click beacon was uh we have another one called emergency break so this kind of came to light where in group sessions we had some therapists have some unfortunate things happen where like kid takes the ipad into the bathroom with them or (laughs) things you don't want to have happen like you needed a quick and easy way to be like shut off the video and audio from that that patient Uh, so that was our emergency break um observer mode so this was one where obviously like on zoom you can have multiple people or whatever but we are seeing and getting feedback from therapists that if their supervisor was there, even if the video was off, the patient could see that. And that was causing them to act differently in their mm-hmm. session. Uh, so with our observer mode, you can have a supervisor who's completely invisible to the patient. Um, and that way they can kind of see the true interaction between uh, the therapist and the client. That'd be nice for like in the schools if you said, oh, to a parent, like I want to invite you into our session, but you know that it's going to fall apart if they see mom or dad in their session, that you can still have them there, but not um, interfering with it. That's really neat. Yeah. And then another one was reactions. Um, So these are kind of full screen, like three to five second fun animations for the kids that have some sound like fireworks or a ninja coming and throwing a star, (laughs) things like that. Um, And then the other one was seamless swap. So this was something that we saw with the case where a therapist is in a school and, or sorry, they're, they're doing teletherapy with kids in a school that are using the same computer back to back to back. Yeah. Um, So we want, they needed a way that we could separate that, you know, this 20 minutes was for Billy and this 20 minutes was for Susan and all of that data goes to the correct patient profile. But Mm -hmm. we didn't, what we didn't want was them to have to like log off after every kid, find the next teletherapy link, try to get it set up. Uh, That just always caused like... Mm -hmm lot of pain and suffering Mm -hmm. so seamless swap was the way that you could just keep the same session open and just change it to the next kid change it to the next kid 
um, as they're just coming in at that same computer. You just keep that one session open, and then when the next patient comes, it just easily you know switches all that. All right, now we know that all this data for the next twenty minutes is for this patient. That sounds really impressive. Yeah, I can see Kim's. Uh... I know. Wheels turning. When wheels there, are turning. <laughs> this, I'm like, this is what happens when you do get to sit down with the developer every day and say, this is what I want. And there's some companies that I've worked for before that I've tried for years just to get them to like move the button to a spot that is easier for me to find. And I give them that feedback and then they're like, oh, that's good to know. And nothing ever happens. <laughs> I mean, I think that's definitely something that's pretty unique about our company is we have um, about half and half clinicians and developers. So I think we have more clinicians on our team than the typical software company. And that is kind of built into like all of our processes from product development to like you know, customer interactions to like every part, like we have clinicians and developers working together um, and just like made it a real part of our culture that we want the developers to really learn the clinical side. And we want the clinicians on our team to like learn the tech side, learn the user interface, user experience side of things. And I think having teammates with the blends of both has helped us Mm -hmm. um, in a lot of respects. You can certainly make those changes and add, like you were like when you first started, you were doing things every day to, you know, improve uh, the service delivery. And this is just that sort of great iterative process is, you know, as things come up, you can add it to the software and fix the problem or enhance the situation. That's, yeah. that's really exciting. And that's also one of the fun things of modern software development is that you can push changes every day. It's not yeah. like the old days where you had to wait six months and ship a new CD. Like we're <laughs> at Ambiki right. kind of every day pushing new stuff. And, you know, we we have a, a release notes section on our site. And like every day we're at it, we're, we're releasing something every day almost. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's, that's keeping it... Um, really up to date in that sense of of really being responsive to the needs of both the patient and the clinicians. So it, I think it's incredible. And I don't hear that happening with other companies. I mean, um, like Kim was saying, you know, people suggest things, but it might happen and it might not happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In terms of uh, how some of these other companies work. When we were back at sidekick therapy partners when we developed the proprietary system for them we actually had a section called ideas like right in the drop down and they could go there and submit ideas and we ended up over three years we had 600 plus submitted and this was an absolute gold mine of like (laughs) Mm -hmm. so many good ideas from the therapists who are using this stuff every day just giving them that place to like put it um that gave us you know so much powerful golden stuff to just add to the app um, and helped us make it so much better that's great well kevin i think it's time for our most important part of our of our interview with you and are you aware of this next section next part 
No, enlighten me. <laughs> this is our moment of Zen. This is where we get to know you a little bit better, even more. Get to know you even more. So we have three different lists of questions. A list A, a list B, and a list C. And you can choose which list you would like. Let's go B. B. He's a B person. Okay. All right. So and this is based on the Proust questionnaire, but we've kind of updated it a bit. So question one, uh, would you describe yourself as an introvert or an extrovert? Introvert. So okay. I, I, I feel like I can try to be extroverted. I can go to parties or go to events. But <laughs> if I'm thinking of it in the definition of like, it's draining for me. Like it takes a lot of energy, it feels like, to do that. So I, I, that's why I think of myself as more introverted. I'm not the type of person that gets energy from interacting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. More of that, it like it, it drains me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm like you. My wife is just the opposite. She can, <laughs> she needs that social, you know, um, outlet of some sort to, you know, energize and interact with a lot of other people and friends and things. I don't <laughs> just let me go do my thing. Um, number two, what's the best compliment you've received? So being told that I was a magician uh, when we were kind of developing some of those features for sidekick therapy partners, I think there was, uh, one case where uh, Jessica Lindenholt, who's the uh -huh. clinician there, um, had sent me a message of like, you're a magician. And like that definitely made my day, made me feel like, oh, they're really making use of these things. And they they like what we're building. That's awesome. Yeah, we, we know her well. She's been on the show. Um, number three, what's your greatest fear? Greatest fear. Mm -hmm. One. you know probably losing family members like yeah sure yeah that would be that would be certainly at the top of my list um next question what do people misunderstand most about you mm. another tough one <laughs> I'm stumped. Um, <laughs> You're an open book. There's no misunderstandings. I mean, I think that I, I've lived in Japan for since 2008. And so it's been been a while now that I've been over here. So I don't know if it's a misunderstanding, but probably a lot of people maybe don't understand, like, why do you live there? <laughs> well, why don't you live in the U.S. or why do you work for a U.S. company and live there? Or even like my friend in Japan, like, you know, why do you work for a U.S. company if you live in Japan? <laughs> like that sort of thing. So, Awesome. Um, next question is, which superpower would you choose to have? Pause time. I always feel like there's so much to do and just don't have enough time to do it. So sometimes I just want to feel like 
I could just like freeze time and get some stuff done and then like unpause <laughs> it. Like that would be nice. That would be cool. Um, do you have a favorite quote or motto or saying that you like? Uh, I can't think of any off the top of my head, um, but you know, it would probably be something related to really about like execution. Uh, and sometimes you just need to like do it and get it done and work on it. Um, and then you can always iterate from there. But, um, you know, that's something that I try to articulate to my team a lot that I see people get stuck in kind of analysis paralysis or not being able to take that first step. Uh, so, you know, breaking things down into smaller pieces and just being able to get started on it and execute on it. It's like the perfection is the enemy of good, right? Get something yep. finished and then you can perfect it over time. Um, next question, uh, which era of history would you most like to have lived in? Something in here. I mean, I, I enjoy the times that we're in now. It's so exciting, so much change happening. But mm -hmm. uh, I also, you know, kind of the late 1900s, you know, when I was young and a baby, if I had been <laughs> an adult then, it feels uh -huh. like it was a stable time in the U.S. Things mm -hmm. were good and uh, you could work at a company for your whole life. and you know, there was a lot of, it felt like there was a lot of stability around that. Um, and sometimes I feel like in today's world, there's just like too much change, like people yeah. changing jobs mm -hmm. every year or year and a half or two years. Um, and I feel like sometimes that instability leads to this kind of anxious general anxiousness around society of just we're just always like so fast-paced like having to change or move on to the next thing um so i somewhat miss the simpler times before the smartphone before the computers where you just life was a little bit simpler yeah yeah i i understand what you're saying um what makes you laugh the most? Uh, my young kids and their silly faces or whatever they're doing. Um, that makes yeah. me smile, makes me laugh every day. I have a four-year-old and she's hilarious, but lately every time we laugh at her, she yells at us that she's not trying to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> is mad that we're laughing at her so i have to tell her i'm like sometimes people just laugh because they're happy not because we're laughing at you <laughs> <laughs> we're laughing with you but I'm yes <laughs> yes yes um next question is do you have a hack that you've discovered that works well and this could be a hack any kind of hack from around the house something computer related whatever so for me, it's definitely been investing in 
a good home office setup as far as like a fast computer, two monitors. Um, I could, I don't think I could work on just a small laptop screen. So right. for me, like just that, especially like for the type of work I do, um, mm -hmm. being able to come in and not have to worry about that just it's set up it works i know how it works like that really allows me to focus on whatever i need to focus that day and not get bogged down like oh my computer is slow or like i trying to right. manage all these windows across this small screen so for me like really investing in that home office space to have the monitors you need to have the computer that will suit what you need to do really well and not have to fight the technology allows you to then just focus your energy and efforts on the other stuff that you need to do. Yeah, I had to invest in that a couple of weeks ago when my laptop quit connecting um, consistently to my external screens and I spent a whole day on my smaller screen doing therapy and had a headache and was trying to figure out why I had a headache and realized it was because I was looking at a little screen and my head was down the whole time. So I had to go get a new laptop and now it I know exactly what you mean. Like it just works every time I plug it in and I'm like, <laughs> oh, now I don't have to think about it because it just works. That's key. Yeah. Um, Last question. If heaven exists, what do you want to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Welcome. <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kevin, it's been great talking with you and learning more about Ambiki. How can people reach out to you or learn more about Ambiki? Yeah, um, they can find me. On LinkedIn, uh, they can go to Ambiki and there's a page to schedule a demo. Um, I think, you know, the best way, especially for any practice to really see Ambiki is for us to give you a, a, a demo and also kind of listen to, to your needs and how we can really solve the problems that you're having as a, a private practice. So I think, yeah, find, find me on LinkedIn or go to ambiki.com and schedule a demo. Um, those are two great ways to connect. Awesome. Great. Well, we thank you for again for coming on and and sharing so much and and you have to come back in another six months or a year and give us an update on how things are going. Would love it. Likewise, thanks for having me. It's been great. I want to thank Kevin for joining us on the podcast once again, and I found it very fascinating in terms of how they went from concept to execution to having Ambiki today. So go check them out if you're interested. Uh, you can get a free demo and see if you like it. And I also want to thank you for joining us on this episode. Please, if you don't mind, leave us a five-star review. That always helps us attract new listeners and new subscribers, which is what we're after. And if you have some ideas for a webinar or podcast or a course or even a blog, please reach out to me at todd at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com. And until next time, be safe and be kind. This has been a production of, you guessed it, the 3C Digital Media Network.